I took my yeah, I took my laptop to use as a TV in the room just in case anything happened, you know. But nothing happened, and I was like, oh, no, just the uh, those Nigerian newspapers. I I, I generally I'm generally shocked at About the quality what? of the uh, reporting of the whole thing. See, my biggest worry, and I, I don't know if you know. I mean, I think some people have picked up on it. Is how they're reporting APC's lies about yeah. numbers that is a massive worry because it shows how lazy they are and how unwilling they are to actually do the job how can apc say, say they got 40 million primary votes you know that's what i mean nobody's asking the difficult questions you're supposed to be asking INEC. you're supposed to be observing these things how did you satisfy the numbers nobody's asking exactly <laughs> no michael no. is actually not funny so i think they're preparing the grounds to rake of course. So they're going to say well if i'm not uh, Members could give us 14 million. Why did he surprise that he won with 14 million votes? So you mean to tell me an incumbent, after a, an underwhelming at best first term, has somehow got more support at the primary stage than at the national national elections in 2015? Yeah, but right. I just realized that uh, this Buhari is the elected version of the Abacha era, where politicians just said what they wanted, what they wanted to say and they expected the media to report they, they don't expect any kind of pushback and even if there's pushback they just deny and just keep repeating the same thing over and over again so it's a very strange uh, period <laughs> well the 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 parties can do what they like they can lie as they please when there's no consequences if every time the newspapers did their job maybe they'd be a bit more careful in in telling these outrageous lies because 14 million votes is not even close to the truth well they, they can't they, they know what they are doing because at the end of the day i'm sure we discussed this last time one of the journalists that was arrested they froze his account and then unfroze it and these guys have perfected the art of intimidation so i don't know of any newspaper who would take the risk to start challenging these things because once they freeze your account, mm. you have access to no money. I'm not buying that excuse, Michael. They're, they're, so, there's media working in far more dangerous territories, and they're still doing the job, you know. Well, I'm not saying they are, they are late, they are ineptitude is justified, but I'm just saying, well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, the, the system in which they're operating is not the best, so many of them are, are fearful. Mm. Of the okay. So they're all just uh, playing along. Let me introduce the show. Welcome to the Pokey London Flight Series with me, Afro Seven, and our recurring and very special guest, Michael at Nigeria's Best on Twitter. This evening Hello. is is hi. This evening is a rushed episode because you know things have just concluded with the APC primary, so we decided to give you a very special episode to review the event around it. So we're gonna take it forward from there. Um, Michael, did we review the the events of Lagos? I don't think we did with uh, Somolu winning the primaries. No, no yeah, we, we so, didn't do that last time. Yeah, no. we'll talk about that as well, and we'll give ourselves pats on the back because we were right about so much that transpired. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Michael. Thank you once again. So a no lot, at all. a lot no to talk about. A lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah. No, the the politics of uh, Nigeria has been exciting over the last uh, few days drama everywhere obviously thanks to the APC they know how to deliver drama and they deliver top quality so I'm very pleased okay let's start with Lagos because it happened first so one of my very good Egmonds you know whose name I shan't reveal informed me I think it was on a Friday or on a Saturday that okay look Tola the governor is willing to fight 
you know, watch this space, keep an open mind, let's see how it goes. I mean, my response was, I mean, at the 11th hour, like really, I was like, no, he told me some things that the governor had been doing in the background. I said, okay, fine, let me listen to his speech. If I listen to his speech, I'll gauge like my feelings on the guy, you know. What was important for me was to see that he was willing to fight against the system, the system being bad, right? So I said, okay, fine. Listen to the speech now. The governor was attempting to be combative, but his delivery was kind of bordering on comical, yeah? Yeah. So the reception to the speech wasn't great, but some people were pleased that he was willing to at least throw a punch or two. Uh, primary state comes on Tuesday. It basically went the way we suspected it would go, and Amboday ended up going out with a whimper. I was really disappointed with the way he went out. Um, and I mean, I thought the voting would have gone the way it went, but I just thought Amboday would put up a better fight. What did you think of, of the event? Well, I think the, uh, it didn't really surprise me. I think, I think the first surprising thing was uh, uh, Dilly Momodu's uh, uh, theatric uh, <laughs> uh, question when he mentioned the fact that he just floated. He just can't help himself. Morning. He really can't. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, yes, that is my man, Dilly Momodu. <laughs> <laughs> he has to let you know that he just got off his plate. So I found that funny. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Ambode's performance was was shambolic. But it didn't surprise me because I saw him in his previous debate with Kimia Badji. Well, he got thrashed thoroughly. Yes. So and it, it's sad that since then he's not even made the effort to improve, especially as he knew he was going to be giving that sort of press conference. He should have done some serious coaching and training, but he didn't. The second thing that uh, that surprised me was. He decided to throw those allegations against Sanwolu about him being a, a, a sort of a, a sort of criminal type figure from America who was spraying or sharing fake, spending fake dollars, and then also mentioned the fact that this is might have some sort of drug type related issues because of being admitted in hospital for rehabilitation. But the, the thing for me is there are some lines in politics that once you cross them, it means you're ready for war. Mm. Because he was more or less saying that the person who had presented was not just only unfit in terms of competence, but he was pointing at something more fundamental. So for me, I assume that once you did that, then it means you're ready for war. But then again, it doesn't surprise me because that's the point I'd always made on Twitter that it's not every political battle you get involved in. Sometimes you study the character of the, of the individual and you realize that they just play games with you. So to me, I, I knew that at the back of my mind that um, Somebody would eventually capitulate and kiss the ring of Tinubu because he didn't strike me as someone who had the character to, to stand and fight. So it's, yeah. uh, it's sad because this could have been an opportunity for him to dismantle this whole Godfather uh, arrangement. And the strange thing is Tinubu initially seemed rattled when he thought Ambody was ready to fight. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised that he just gave up, especially as he made those kinds of allegations against yeah. the fear is they're not going to forgive it well so here's the thing i think i mean this is this is just you know postulations i don't have any evidence okay i suspect that he had plans that were just germinating but didn't, they didn't quite bloom either because the people that were supposed to carry out the plans backed out or abuja wasn't resolute in its support for Ambodi, or the plans were just half-baked period because i think the fact that he gave that speech meant as the Yoruba say, that he had a bird in the pocket. So he had a trick up his sleeve, so to speak, yeah? Yeah. 
Yeah, and it it it, uh, it, it was just a sorry affair. Someone who trounced him. But but we we I think we discussed this last time because I remember saying that I didn't think Abuja would help him fight because Buhari knows that he needs Tinubu because if you join Amade to fight Tinubu, then Tinubu be like, well, what the hell? I'm not going to help you win yes, Lagos yes, in 2019. But, but hold on, you missed a key line in Amade's statement. He said, Lagosians need to back the candidacy that would definitely support the president. Yeah. I don't think that was a throwaway line. I think that was, that line was quite revealing. And I think Abuja was making overtures to Ambode because of whatever lays behind that line. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I I mean, but it's not a matter of Buhari fighting Tinubu. It's a matter of Buhari trying to look out for his own interest by at least guaranteeing somebody he he's certain would support him. Well, there was no way for him to do it without causing problems because no. the moment he took Ambode's side over Tinubu then he meant he was on, on the war path with Tinubu, and Tinubu is not somebody you want to go to war with unless you know you're ready for the consequences. Yeah. So I think I, I, I always sensed that if somebody was going to fight this thing, he was going to fight on his own. So he would have been ready to do a kamikaze mission, which is to blow up the whole ABC and then allow maybe an opposition win. But it's clear he wasn't ready for that because that would literally mean political suicide. He and all his loyalists would be caught out of the chain of, yeah. of uh, Lagos patronage. I mean, I think it's a wrap for him either way. Uh, I didn't think that Tinubu is going to overlook the statement from Samwoli. Gen- and he's not a political heavyweight. He doesn't move people. His performance by himself, I mean, Tinubu tried the same, very very same thing with Fashala, right? And he had to be told to back down if he didn't want to lose his status as the leader in the state because so popular was Fashala, like we discussed the last time. Yeah. A- Ambode didn't do much to endear himself to Lagosians. Like, they're very apathetic towards the fact that he was going to be kicked out. Nobody well, yeah. really fought for him. Nobody really cared. And that's down to him. Tinubu is this and he's that. But Ambode's failure is down to Ambode himself in many, many respects. No, I, I agree because uh, I think I shared a, an article that Shegwadeni wrote on the whole Lagos drama. And one of the things Shegwadeni mentioned was that aside the beef, the real problem that even people within Lagos State had was that Ambode came across as arrogant, dismissive, he didn't respect his commissioners, he literally talked down to everybody. So, like you're rightly saying, when the time for battle came, he didn't have any allies because he he had poor, I think he's just a generally abrasive character, so he doesn't know how to build relationships. So I think that that's, that's why they always say in politics, even aside from good policies, you have to be the kind of person that builds good relationships so that people like you. Yeah, I just don't think he was suited to the job. I mean, the fellow who who imposed him imposed the fellow before him, so he's just not suited to the job. And well, he's gone now. Now moving on, the PDP has chosen Jimmy Agbaje, and like I keep saying to people, some laugh at me, but I think Agbaje has never had a better time to be governor. Never. Uh, well, I'm not sure. The, the, the problem is, I think his best chance to be governor was probably during the last election. Because then the PDP was a united movement, mm. but now with Obani Koro defecting, having defected, and I think the former chairman of the party too defected to APC, the real question is how much numbers can they pull? Because if you see from the APC side, it's not really the middle class in Lagos that votes, it's the guys that were running the PSP, the, trans- the transport people, the market people, market women and market men. Those are the people that pull out the numbers for APC, and the question is, how many of those people 
rely on the, in quotations, non-indigents. It may be some parts of Lagos, the Igbo traders, the Urugu traders, and various other ethnic groups. But I wonder if Agbaje has the time and resources to pull those numbers out. So I, I think 2015 was probably a better opportunity um, than now. In terms of, I think you're right, in terms of machinery, um, but in terms of sentiment and in terms of of people really being aware that they're ready to be rid of the old Lagos order, I think yeah. this is probably his best chance. Um, the money won't be as available as it was in 2015, of course, but he's got he's got the chance to tap into the middle class. He's got a chance. I mean, the base will be energized in terms of you know, non-Yoruba will be energized to vote for him, especially, especially if the down ticket on Atiku's um, ticket is, is from the southeast. Yeah. That will really gin people up to turn up for him. If he hires the right, and this is so key, if he hires the right media team and they craft the right campaign, Michael, this could be something. I mean, I know I'm a bit of a dreamer when it comes to Nigerian politics, yeah? And I wear my heart on my sleeve, yeah. but <laughs> I really I really do think the sentiment is so thick on the ground to get rid of Tinubu. And this is not just a non-Yoruba feeling, right? The the people who have been shunted and shafted because of his I-must-choose-everybody-going attitude are ready to work with Agbaje, and Agbaje himself is ever ready. I mean, I think... When it comes to debating, he's there. When it comes to ideas, he's there. He presents himself in a very credible manner. So I don't think you have to worry about the candidate himself. And I don't yep. think you have to worry about his appeal. I think what you have to worry about is, is the messaging and how it gets across. And obviously, maybe the lack of funds as well, you know. That's yep. certainly going to be a factor. No, yes, no, I agree that, uh, yeah, those factors are relevant. But I think the most important thing is him building the, the coalition, i.e. getting the numbers. And... I generally don't know if the Lagos middle class can deliver the numbers because from all that I've read, the Lagos middle class are more concerned with getting out and going to Canada or America. Or the, well, that's uh, true, but they can't all get visas, Michael. Yes, so there's a lot of... Uh, I, I know they all can't, but the coalition of people he needs to build, I don't know if he can get those numbers because Tinubu has... The majority of people in Lagos are not the middle class. They are true. the poor the and working class. class. Mm -hmm. Those are the numbers that Tinubu has on lockdown with his various... Uh, uh, patronage system. Okay, but what you're missing is that in 2015, there was the energy of change in the air. People were genuinely excited at the prospect of defeating the incumbent, yeah? That, yes. that the APC doesn't have that this time. Yes, but the, the, the missing link then, in my view, was you had Obani Koro and a few other people in PDP who were, who were strong mobilizers. And Obani Koro's defection to the, PDP, to the APC will seriously affect the party. Mm, on, the, on, on, on the face of it, on the face of it, uh, Obanikoro is not on a ticket, Michael. Yes, he, no, he wasn't on a ticket in 2015, but... But he, he, I mean, he knew he would get something federally, that is yes. to say, right? Or at least he felt he would get something at the federal level. But Obanikoro is not on any ticket this year. Um, he's not... This What I'm trying to put out is, these people are still hedging. Do you get me? They're still hedging. Atiku is somebody that's loved across the board, and we'll come to Atiku in a moment. Atiku is somebody that's loved across the board. He can get on with people. He knows how to make deals. He knows how to make things happen. What I'm saying to you is, I don't know what they promised each other behind closed doors. From what I can see, I don't see what Obanikor is getting right now. Well, he's obviously getting a, a EFCC protection, and he and Tinibu know what they've discussed in terms of getting 
for the concessions. So at the end of the day, because Nigerian politics is about pulling numbers in, mm. we the middle class were perhaps good at talking about politics and doing the analysis, but we're not the people that get on the ground to vote. People that get on the ground to vote are the mobilizers, and they come with their numbers. So every strong man, per se, has numbers that he can bring to the table, and Obani Koro can bring numbers. So all I'm saying is, for Jimmy Abadi to win, it's not enough to get the endorsement of the chattering classes on social media mm-hmm. to analyze the issues. He also mm-hmm. needs to make sure that he has people who can deliver the numbers. And I don't know that he can. Yeah. But I'll be happy because I like him, so I hope he wins. But quite frankly, I don't know if he can get those numbers. I mean, I think if he's going to win, because he won't have the same war chest he did earlier. Yeah. If he's going to win, it'll be based on a large turnout. If he has any chance, it'll be mobilizing people to the polls through the messaging, through his own, you know, skills as a politician. That, to me, is the only chance he has. But I'm really, really, really rooting for Agbaje this time. Not not because I'm crazy about the guy. I like him, but, I mean, I'm not moved by him as such. But I think it's, it's really key that this hegemony in Lagos is broken once and for all. So I'm keen on Agbaje. Now, let's move on to... <clears throat> Let's move on to the machinations of the PDP and the event, the rather <laughs> exciting event of tonight. So, or this afternoon, rather. I started watching the primary. First of all, let me just say this idea of conducting the primaries overnight is quite ridiculous. Quite ridiculous. We must find a better way to do this, surely. Well, I might be wrong, but the last time I really followed US politics was, I think, when Obama was running for president. Mm hmm. And if I recall correctly, there were many times I was having to wake up in the middle of the night because even in many of those states, the counts too were going late into the night and into the early No, morning. but we had we had um we had the the exit polls. You know, the exit polls sort of project the winner. I mean, I think by one AM, two AM we were getting projections of the winners. I mean, we had to wait till the next day to hear the results and we saw physical counts occurring live and yes. the whole thing. But I mean just you could watch so and you people up at 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, even in those countries in the rallies, present. So I don't know if it's necessarily a PDP thing. I think. But remember, 2, 3, 2, 3 a.m., it yes. depends on the coast you're on. Do you understand? So it might be 2, 3 a.m. on the East Coast, on the West Coast, it's not. No, no, no. I mean, I, I don't, I'm never talking about time zones. I mean, there were times I would wake up, it would be morning in England, and I'd see that it was 2 a.m. in the morning in that state in America. And the vote was still going on, and there were crowds watching and waiting. That's the final elections, Michael. Uh, prim- no, no, I mean pri- the various primaries, state primaries as well. No, Joe, no I, way. I remember clearly because I was waking up, I was sleeping on the couch at that time, and I'd wake up and see it. And I was wondering, mm. this thing goes up overnight. So I don't think it's a PDP problem. No, it's, it's not. I mean, the APC's one in 2015 was also overnight. Yes. But, it's a Nigerian, no it's a Nigerian it. thing, I think. No, I don't think so, because even if they started in the morning, look at the number of hours it took them to do the whole counting. It's a, the way I see it is party primaries in every part of the world. It's not just about a count. It's also kind of a carnival. It's a conference, mm. a family gathering. It's everything in one. Mm. So for the local night economy, it's all part of the whole uh, package. Because if you ask people who are in Portacot, many of the nightclubs, many of the bars made lots of money. Of course, of course. From the, so it's, it's part of the whole, it's like a festival. So yeah. maybe those of us at home are complaining, but 
I'm not complaining. Yeah, yeah but I mean, I think it excludes women, you know. I, I don't well, think that's the intention, but that's that's the result. It excludes well, I, I, it well, excludes the matter is, in the UK, they've had the same debate because there was a time they were thinking, should they sh- uh, shut down the number of hours they spend debating issues because of women's rights? And I perfectly understand that. But the problem in general with politics is politics is is not something you can restrict to, to time because it's just literally plotting and people just plot all the time so I don't, I don't know if you're going to be a man or woman in politics then uh, without trying to sound insensitive you have to be ready mm-hmm. for these types of stuff no. because it's what Hillary Clinton said if you get a phone call at 3am in the morning saying mm-hmm. a nuclear attack has been launched are you going to say well I'm a woman I'm, I'm a man I have to watch a child so I can't do it no that's politics yeah, I mean that's the, the that's the that's the custom of politics we've got right now. Hopefully, hopefully changes. But let's let's talk about the cocoa. So rumor had it. I mean, I think the last time we got together and talked about this, there was yeah. week blown hot and cold over, you know, what people <laughs> thought was his definite support for Tambua and I mean Tambua's figures, considering who he is and the fact that he's he's a relative relative junior to the rest of the people on the ticket. His returns are quite impressive. So Wike's uh, alleged support for Tambawal, uh, yeah. Saraki's uh, presence, Kwan uh, Kwanso's, is it Kwan Kwanso, right? Kwan Kwanso's yeah. presence. Kwan yeah. yeah. And uh, Atiku's uh, uh, presence as well. So, I mean, I think to be fair, I thought the race would come down to, given everything I'd read over the week, I thought the race would come down to Wike and Atiku, to be fair. Um, so you mean Tam- Tambuala and Atiku? Tambuala and Atiku, my bad. So <laughs> I thought the race would come down to Tambuala and Atiku. Um, yeah. be- I mean, because I, I figured that Tambawal, you know, being a younger man, he knew how to parlay with with the new crop of PDP leaders and whatever have you. And Atiku would spend money and he might eventually get shafted. That's what I thought. I mean, I was hoping he would win, but that's what I thought. Yeah. So tell me your analysis. As a, as a PDP man, what did you make of everything? Well, I was genuinely... I think I was surprised, but wasn't surprised. Because, on the one hand, everybody I'd spoken to that I tried to speak to both journalists and other uh, analysts working for various candidates, all were saying that, look, it seems Tambuwal is the is the man that the party has agreed on for a, number, for a variety of reasons, but most importantly because traditionally the PDP always goes for the lowest common denominator, i.e. there are various interest groups in the party, unlike maybe APC where Tinubu and Buhari call the shop. Within the PDP, like a federal system of power broking, so all the various brokers and various interest groups have to decide, okay, who is the person we can all work with? And the general consensus at the time was Tambowal seemed to be the person that everybody had had no bad thing, real bad thing to say about. So that seemed to be where the momentum was swinging. But like I tweeted last night, I said the strange thing with PDP is even when Obasanjo will give an instruction and say, okay, let's support this group. If Obasanjo closed his eyes for more than two hours, he'd open it and they tell him, oh, Something else has changed. A new candidate has come on the scene. Okay, so, I think. Sorry to interrupt. I think there's a factor we have to men, uh, mention. There was tweets by Demolai Raju, who you know, who he knows some inside gists. Yeah. Um, he was confirming that Gusau was on ground, and I didn't believe it at the time because I thought, hmm, if Gusau was on ground, he's probably there to canvass for the princelin of that region, being yeah. Tambawa. Tambawa, yeah. And then one of my inner connects. Came into my DM and said, "You've got it. You've got it twisted." He said, "Kusau is there for Atiku." I said, "Why?" He said, "Because 
the old order is tired of Buhari. That includes all the old generals. And surprise, surprise, what do you know? Includes Obasanjo and Joe as well. Yeah. So they had apparently made a deal and convinced everybody that they needed to convince to get behind Atiku. And that really, really, really surprised me. Because these are the same people that were posting up roadblocks to him all these years. But yeah. it took it took Buhari's madness to see them, to, to make them come around. Yeah, but, but that's what I that's what I, I, I was saying. So the way to work is the power brokers will decide that, okay, it is Tambua we want. They can agree this by 8 p.m. tonight. But between 8 p.m. and 12 p.m., they'll just keep talking and keep negotiating. Mm. So literally up until the last minute, nobody will know who they want. Mm. So Obasanjo was clearly opposed to Atiku's emergence. So there are two options. It's either Demola is right, because Demola seemed to be saying that at the last minute, Obasanjo was forced to give in. And he said, okay, no problem. I mean, I then, think the coalition of, 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 the order, of the old military order, of which he's a part, yeah. pre- prevailed on him to back down. Yes. So that, that's one option, that they eventually prevailed on him to back down. The second option is they did to him what happened with Peter Odili in 2006, 2007. By 2006, you remember during the uh, presidential primaries then, Obasanjo wanted Yardua and Odili, and he had given the instruction that Odili should be the person. And then Obasanjo's own men went behind the scenes to sabotage Odili's uh, emergence and came back to him and said, Sir, we tried, but this is the person we can manage. Jonathan, mm. and Obasanjo was thinking, that, Are you guys crazy? Did I not give you an instruction? You come back and tell me the opposite. So that's also a possibility, i.e., Obasanjo said, I want Atiku, but all the other guys said, look, let's, I mean, Obasanjo said, I want Tambua. All the other guys said, look, let's get Tam, let's get Atiku, and then tell Obasanjo that, look, we tried, but this is what happened. And then they confront, they confront him with a fate complete, and then he just has to agree and say, okay, well, <laughs> I can't say anything else. So, but I think in the next few days, we'll get more information as to what really happened. Because mm-hmm. I know he must have taken a lot to get Obasanjo to change his mind. Mm-hmm. Because okay. I don't know what that he could do to him, what that he could his wife. I mean, I, I, like I really, I've been asking this question since twenty since twenty fourteen or thirteen. I really don't understand it. Like I really, really, really don't understand it. This is mad. So I mean, I think watching the whole primaries, I was, I was, um, I was gingered. Do you get me? And I, and I realize that there's a very simple part of me that just wants to be involved in terms of like just watching the process being encouraged watching a peaceful process being encouraged seeing a semblance of transparency i mean there's a lot of rumors going around about money changing hands but let's be honest that's par for the course yeah in 2015 money changed hands at the apc's uh, uh campaign ground as well this is what yeah. i know for a fact so that one whether we condemn it of course but it's not it doesn't mean that the process wasn't open because money yeah. changing hands everybody's going to bring their money people took atiku's money in 2015 and still didn't vote for him yeah do you understand so it's yeah. it's to see this process you know it really encouraged me i i felt involved as a nigerian do you get me it, it was it was encouraging and it was fun it was fun to watch and it gave me a little bit of hope. Even though I'm not supporting PDP, I liked the process. I liked seeing it. I liked being part of it. And it was in stark contrast to what the APC did yesterday, which is no, essentially a coronation. No, I, I would agree because uh, I, although I, I always, I oftentimes I tend to lean towards the PDP, I, I'll not describe myself as a blind supporter of the party. But the one thing I always give them credit for is 
PDP does what I call the real politics, because the way they are structured is unlike the APC. Because like what happened in Lagos with Tinubu giving orders cannot happen within the PDP because there are various power blocks who argue. So real politics takes place within the PDP. So that's the one thing I, 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 I like them for. Anybody can enter the race. There's no real. They'll take, like you rightly said, it's not always about money. They'll take your money and still not deliver because sometimes negotiation, debate is what carries the weight. So I'm, I'm very pleased. And to be honest, I'm sure I said this last time, and I said it on, on social media. I, I thought I would hold my nose and support Atiku because I thought he was the best prepared. Mm-hmm. If they had presented Tambua, I don't know that I'd have been able to, in good conscience, say, I'm, I'm happy to go with him because for all his niceness and gentleness, he didn't seem to me to be somebody who had seriously given thought. Yeah, he didn't seem prepared, right? He didn't yes. seem ready. He seemed like he was being propelled by other forces apart from him, from himself. Yes, yeah. Yeah. he just yeah. seemed to be like a smiling dude who said, mm-hmm, okay, well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you know how I feel about Atiku. I think on here, at least over a year ago, we talked yeah. about who we'd like to see. Yeah. Um, and we talked about, I said I would like to see an Atiku and it would be Ticket. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm still hoping, I'm still hoping for that. So first of all, let's just talk about Atiku's emergence, what you think that brings to the table in terms of his chances in 2019, and who you think as a VP would help take him over the hill in terms of winning the elections. I'd really like to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I think for Atiku's emergence, I'm, I'm very pleased because, firstly, this is, I think, probably the first time we have a candidate who wants to be president and who has a plan to be president. Buhari has always wanted to be president, but it's always been obvious that the man has never had a plan for what to do with the power. But Atiku seems to be someone who has sat down, fought for it, has a plan, and it's a plan I can sign up to because I'm a free market capitalist, and that's mm-hmm. what Atiku is as well. Mm-hmm. Atiku is not divisive. He's the kind of person that is exemplary as wise from all the three parts of the country. Mm-hmm. So he has business partners all across the country. He says there's nothing about Atiku that says ethnic supremacist or divisive. Not Atiku at is all. comfortable. Not at all. Yes, he's a, he's a proud Fulani man, which we should all be. We should all be proud of our ethnic heritage. But yes. the point is, we should not think we're superior to another That's ethnic group. And Atiku is fine on, on that front. And at the, the stage where Nigeria is, is it is it is very divided. Probably less. Last time we had, we had this level of division was in the civil war. So we need a president who every ethnic group is comfortable with and with Atiku, in particular the, the southeast and the south south who are felt marginalized by the Buhari government they would feel comfortable that yes a fulani man is president but we don't feel threatened at all we're happy with 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 his uh, nationalist approach to governance and then on the economy as well that's the main that's the second key issue for me the economy needs to get growing we need foreign investment to come in and Atiku is somebody who is pro-business pro-foreign investment because not all of us are looking for political appointments. People like myself, I just want a functional economy that I can relocate back to Nigeria and work for any of the top multinationals who open offices there. So many of us are, are yes, we live abroad, but we're, we're abroad by necessity. If the country was functioning, we won't be here. It's cold. So I want a president who can grow the economy that way, and I think Atiku can, can do it. The third thing is he talked about restructuring. And if you listen to the things he said, you can see that he's given thought to the issues. And, and the thing is, that. sorry to interrupt again, the thing is, it's not new. He's not pandering. He had yeah. he had these same ideas when he wanted to gun for the ACN ticket. I think he was on the ACN ticket in 20, what, 2011? Yeah, 2007. And it yeah. was called AC, Action Congress. Yes, he had these same ideas. 
So there's, there's nothing new what he says. So I'm very optimistic. Obviously, as a general rule, Nigerian politicians lie a lot. So you can't believe everything he says blindly. But I think he has a track record that generally points you in the direction of what you think he will do. Mm-hmm. So on that front, I'm, I'm very optimistic. And it, it now creates a stark contrast because on the Buhari side, you have somebody who is clearly socialist, state control, anti-restructuring, and pro-division. And on the Atiku side, you have the opposite. So I think for the first time in our electoral history, nobody can say, oh, oh I didn't know. But if you have a political view, you now have somebody of the two who you can back mm. and not claim to be deceived. Mm. With regards to the running mates, I think the three options from the various uh, gossip I've been hearing will probably be HLB, Charles Soludo, and even Ben Bruce. God he doesn't have a draw Michael he doesn't have a draw what? I think I think I'll be very happy with Soludo I'll be very happy with um, Okonjo Wella I'd be super happy with Obi right because I think Atiku is a kind of guy who gets out of the way if he thinks you're capable he doesn't try to impose his will on you and he will let yeah. you do it and Obi to me of all the state governors from what I know He's one of the very few who can actually show and prove. When he took over Anambra, do you know where Anambra was on the jam table? Do you know where Anambra was on 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 the general uh, common entrance table? Look at where it was when he left. So I'm, I'm very happy with uh, it. will be obviously, like you said, from the things he's done publicly. I know two people who have had interactions with him, and they've all said the same thing. One of them, his brother, used to be a pilot, and his brother said that look. Of all the governors of ever flow, Peter Obi is the only one who doesn't give you money. And whenever I see you, he just says, God bless you, prays for you, and goes. Amen. So, Go your merry so, way. <laughs> everybody knows Peter Obi. He, he treats government money like it's his own. So it hurts him. Whenever I have to pay even 50 pounds for something, it actually hurts. And that's the kind of leader you want. Someone who understands that government money is not nobody's money. It's actually our money. So you have mm-hmm. to spend it prudently. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's always done. So I, I like him for that. The real question is whether he has the political clout to pull the numbers in the southeast. If you look at the 2015 election, one of the reasons why Jonathan didn't win was because the southeast uh, numbers were a bit... Yeah, Yeah, the the turnout wasn't great. Mm -hmm. And then in the elections in Anambra, I think last year or the year before, the candidate he presented, uh, Oselo Kalbaze, lost to Mm -hmm. the current governor. Well, that's because the current governor was performing to the standards that his people liked. You know, no, so... Well, well yes. I'm, I'm not dis- disputing that. But what mm-hmm. I'm saying is, at the end of the day, you're on the ticket for two reasons. One, because they believe you're competent. Mm-hmm. But two, because they believe you can deliver the numbers. That's correct. Okay, fine. Let's 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 just break this down a little bit. A Peter Obi on the ticket means, for me, as a Nigerian, it means two things. You get somebody who's a confirmed performer, a verifiable performer. Okay, and two... If I were from the southeast, I would say, okay, fine. This is this is the best guy in terms of record that we can put down, and yeah. it brings him closer, hopefully, God willing, to the presidency because the PDP is a party of rotation, mind you. And if yeah. after Atiku, it should rightly be the southeast turn. Yeah. Right. So him being in that chair brings him closer to being the number one citizen in the country. So for me, that's an upside, and he's he's. He's um he's not a boy in quotes because they will still look at Saludo as a boy because he's quite young, so they'll they'll kind of belittle belittle him. You know how Nigerian politicians can be. 
So yeah. I think Peter Obi's age, his gravitas, his record really, really lends him a lot of credibility. And I think the Southeast, I mean, permit me to speak for, from my impressions. I think the Southeast will be proud to have him on the ticket. They have a reason to turn out this time. Last time, I'm not sure they did, but this time they definitely have a reason to turn out. And if the PDP is as strong on ground in the Southeast as, as I suspect they are, they'll ensure that the people turn out. Well, but that's the point I, I, I try to make, which is, Competence, I have no problem, but I just I worry that he might not be able to pull out the numbers. Obviously, because I might be wrong, but uh, I know, for example, the president is reaching out to Obiano and a few other southeastern uh, politicians. Mm-hmm. So the question it will now be down to influence. Who is more influential in the southeast? Is, is it Peter Obi or Obiano and the others? Now, if Peter Obi cannot get Obiano on his side to say, look, let's all work together to deliver this thing, then there is the fear that. The numbers might not come out. But Michael, can Obiano with with his chest support Buhari? Think about it. I mean, I know the support can be surreptitious and subterranean, whatever. I understand yeah. that. But can he come up with his chest and say in Anambra, "I am supporting Buhari"? He cannot. Well, it, he cannot he do have that. To say it with his uh, chest, which is the the game at the end of the day. But there's a way you don't campaign for someone that suppresses the numbers. In the same way, Tinwood might not necessarily refuse to campaign for Buhari. He might just just give the impression through oh, body we'll language. We'll come to that. that. We'll come to that. Yes. So th- those are the things that uh, need to be borne in mind. But uh, with Soludo, for me, the bigger issue is not necessarily... Sorry, I think my child is, is on the monitor. I can't turn on the monitor. Are you, oh, on yeah. ba- are you on babysitting duties? No, no, no. No, she's just in the next room, but the monitor is here, so okay. <laughs> I'll turn it off now. So, yes, so... Sorry, so I was saying, so with uh, so Ludo, beyond his age, the bigger issue is he he has an air of arrogance. Mm-hmm. Anybody who has worked with him or had any dealings with him all said the same thing, that he has an air of arrogance. Very intelligent. You can't you can't fault his intelligence or his foresight or anything. But there's an air of arrogance. And the worry is his personality will rob people off. Mm-hmm. And I'm 100% certain if you make him vice president within... A year, there will just be stories of various quarrels in the, in the villa between him and I think him and somebody else. He will up because there's that air of arrogance. But with Peter B, on the other hand, he's generally personable and slightly humble. He's humble, so mm. you can't, it's hard to, to quarrel yeah, with he's, him. He's cool natured. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's cool natured. Um, okay, so what about the rumors of Annoy t- being put on the ticket? I keep hearing this, I don't know how credible the rumor is. No, I've been Well, they floated the idea. I I generally don't know if she can be persuaded to come back again to run for vice president. I mean, you can blame her. Our wahala is too much. <laughs> the thing is, but yes, after what Oshiobali uh, and the propaganda did to her, I think she's not interested. But secondly, I don't know, or I don't think she carries as much political weight. Her father is a king, yes, in the, in the Astaba area. But I don't think she carries as much political weight mm, as mm. Peter Albi does. The yeah. other dude, uh, Ben Bruce, is is somebody that uh, more information needs to be to, to be dug out because he's obviously from the same state as Gulag Jonathan and he's Gulag Jonathan's local senator. And the interesting thing is he was one of the leading uh, supporters of Atiku's camp. So my suspicion is maybe Bayelsa and a few South-South states actually worked for Atiku's emergence. And if that is correct, 
then it is perhaps plausible that he might want to reward that area by putting bamboos. But even the even in the area, he's not the primary political mover and shaker. You know, like I mean, perhaps I'm I'm just uninformed about him and how people perceive him. But he just yeah. doesn't strike me as somebody that that holds that much political clout. You know. Well, he doesn't. He, yeah, but I don't think he's a necessarily a heavyweight. But the real question is, who are the people behind him? Now, if if he is the choice of the South South, because most of the South South states are firmly PDP. Mm -hmm. If he's the choice of the South South, and the likes of Wike, uh, Seriake Dixon, Okoa, and all the other governors say yes, this is the person we want, including Gulag Jonathan, then they will deliver the numbers for him. My real concern with Peter Obi, on the other hand, is even if they pick him, because to a large extent, Igbo politicians tend to be a bit more individualistic. Mm -hmm. There's no full guarantee that even with him on the ticket, all Southeast governors will say, we will deliver this thing for Peter Obi. Because Obi, I know on the back of his mind, I think he too has some sort of presidential or vice presidential ambition. So he's the kind to think, well, if I support Obi, it means my chances are, are, are going to be slimmer. So I might work against it. So this, these are all the, the factors that need to be considered. But like you're saying, I'll be very happy with it. It'll be on the on the on the ballot. I'm I'm very hopeful. I mean, I think putting Obi on the ballot doesn't just put the Southeast in play; it puts Lagos in play as well. That's oh, yes. that's how I feel. I think it puts Lagos in play to an extent, Ogun as well. So we shall see. Um, I'm I'm very 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 hopeful that Atiku unpicks Obi. Whilst I will not be voting for the PDP in the presidential elections. I really like Atiku, and I, you know, I've, it's it's not today that you and I have spoken about how much I admire the fellow, right? So, um, in Nigeria, I think if we start sort of like a, how we know most Nigerians are poor, but how we differentiate is like our individual characteristics and our records, right? So if yeah. we say most of the politicians are corrupt, okay, the ones you don't know that are corrupt is because their files have not been opened. Most yeah. of the, most of them are corrupt, but okay, what have they now done? With the, f with the funds that they pilfered. Some people yeah. have carried the money to London and built houses and ended it there. Atiku has built schools. He's the largest employer in the country. He's not just giving money away, he's giving people jobs. He's giving away scholarships. Yeah. He's doing apprenticeship programs. So it's not it's not that he's corrupt in here. It's Nigeria. They all are. You know. So this idea of corruption being a main driver in the 2019 conversation, I hope the PDP is ready to go fire for fire because Buhari is not clean either. No, obviously. Uh, I that's my hope as well. But, but the view I've always held is the PDP should be ready to fight this thing tooth and nail. But at the same time, they also have to be honest. And rather than just constantly deny Atiku's flaws, they need to be open and say, okay, look, yes, he has made mistakes here, he's made these mistakes here. But on the totality of the issues, he's the better candidate. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I hope that's the message they sell to the foot, foot soldiers and the and they sell that to the swing swing yeah. voters as well. I mean, he so has a record to go line. on. He has a record to go on. This is not hearsay or them say. He has a record to go on. You know. Yeah. So I mean, I think part of why guessing and postulating again, but part of why uh, Obasanjo probably doesn't like the guy is that he knows that this fellow is capable. He's he's protecting his own interests. He's protecting his own legacy, and he doesn't want it to appear like he did nothing. You know, because Atiku was very strong in Obasanjo's first term. Everybody who was close to that government will attest to the same thing. Well, yes, but I think uh, at the end of the day, Obasanjo, from studying him, doesn't like people who he thinks he can't control. Mm. So that's probably his main issue with that See, people. What kind but of I, I think... Agbaya is this guy? You're like knocking on heaven's door and you're still fighting these battles. <laughs> I don't understand. 
I think the only thing I was going to I was going to I forgot to mention about the running mate, which is uh, just say quickly, which is I think the important thing to learn, which the point I made in 2015, and which I think everybody needs to learn is the running mate doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, it's the Oga who's 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 actually the president. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If if he decides that he wants to work with a talented team, then he can. If he decides that I don't care who's my running mate, I'm going to do a Buhari and just mess things up, then he can as well. So the main focus should be on who the candidate is, not who his running mate is, because that's what really determines everything in, in the Nigerian presidency. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree there. Okay, let's just quickly address a point you raised about Tinubu. Now, I didn't really want to go, go into this too much on the timeline because I wanted to discuss it with you, so I wanted to keep the idea fresh. I think that it's obvious to Tinubu that Asarok was willing to undermine him in Lagos. Hmm? Yeah. And I think that this probably rubbed him up the wrong way and left him in the same position that he was in in 2011, which is he's not going to campaign for the opposition, but he's not going to go all out for his own party either. Yeah. Now, what what is most precious to Tinubu is keeping Lagos. Hmm? Yeah. Keeping Lagos, because without Lagos now, he's nothing. Okay, So keeping Lagos. I see a situation whereby Tinubu and Tiku can work something out. Well, I think yes and no, in the sense that Tinubu wants to be president of Nigeria. And he knows that, yes, if he does a deal with Atiku, this on the one hand, if he does deal with Atiku, then yes, he can keep Lagos, but his dreams of the presidency are gone. On the other hand, he can see a route to the presidency through Buhari, i.e. if Buhari gets the second term. Is he dreaming? Tinubu was president what? Well, so I think, no, I don't see, think it's realistic that he can be president. But you know the way ambition is, ambition blinds people. Mm-hmm. And truth be told, everybody on earth, it's that ambition that's helped them achieve things that nobody else thought they could. But mm-hmm. everybody else said you can't do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so in his mind, he thinks he can be president. So until somebody's able to get him to, to kill that idea, say, look, Oga, it's not happening. Then if somebody can make him understand that, then I can see him stepping down and saying, okay, I can't be president, let me preserve Lagos, or maybe Oshun, and then I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But if that dream is still alive, then I think it will be hard for Atiku to work with him, because both of them can see that they have the same goal, they have the same agenda, which is to be president. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I don't know about his ambition of a presidency, but if it's one he holds, then good luck to him. But I mean, I'm I'm very excited about Lagos. I think it's going to be very interesting as a Lagosian. My eye is definitely on that battle. And I mean, the presidency is going to be interesting. The race to the presidency is going to be very interesting because a lot of the factors that were underhanded last time can't be brought into play this time. It'll really, really boil down to corruption. I think. Yeah. I think. I think that's it. You know. And I mean, for all his noise about corruption, Buhari has not had much success in combating it. So. No, he, he can't because uh, he's, he's a hypocrite. He, he himself can't explain his wealth. His family cannot explain their wealth. Uh, the people around him can't explain their wealth. At the end of the day, Nigerians also need to understand that corruption is something that you always have. Even Britain has corruption. The real issue is, can you put in, in place systems and processes that make corruption less interesting? I mean, in Britain, where there are jobs, people can make legit money from business. Why, why would they even be concerned mm. with uh, stealing money from the Treasury? Mm-hmm. The problem we have in Nigeria is Nothing else is working. So yeah, corruption actually becomes... Government and corruption, that's it. Yes, becomes...
becomes attractive. Mm-hmm. But if I could make legit clean money, why would I be concerned with uh, 100,000 naira that is meant for a, a treatment of AIDS patients? Things mm-hmm. like that. So we need to grow the economy so that these ideas, these things become less relevant. Well, speaking of growing the economy, I think the team, I'd like to give a special shout out to them, you know, even though I didn't really support their candidate. I think the team, Grow Nigeria team, did a fantastic job. Like, I'm so impressed when young people do something like that and they really deliver. The online campaign for Saraki was really well done. Congratulations to all the guys who did that. I am proud of you and I hope that this experience will lend you bigger and better opportunities. I'd just like to say that. That was really, really well done to those guys. So I, I hope they get a chance to work with the PDP going forward, you know, with Atiku's campaign, for example. And yep. um, it'll be also another thing. It'll be interesting to see what Garba Shehu says. Well, Garba Shehu, yes, is, is loyal to, used to work for Atiku. But at the end of the day, Garba Shehu used to work for Obasanjo as well in the presidency. But he hasn't hesitated to turn on Obasanjo when the time was, was required. So these people are all, uh, I don't want to use the word, but they're political mercenaries. So if he has to survive by abusing Atiku, he will do it. I mean, even your, the man you like, uh, El Rufai. Wait, wait, we're coming to that. We're coming to that. We're, we're coming to El Rufai. Just yeah, El Rufai was an Atiku boy, but when the, the, the wind changed, he was happy to destroy Atiku to please the passenger. So quite frankly, I don't think these guys uh, really... Have, have any qualms in that regard. Mm. So you mentioned El Rufai, uh, and everybody knows that I'm, I'm partial to him. But <laughs> I'm really I'm really disturbed by by his... I don't know the right English word. It's not coming to me right now. But there is something about him that really has always bothered me, to be frank. I mean, I've tweeted about this since even before I went public that I liked him or whatever. Is that he's very vindictive. Like I don't understand, sort of like why he sweats, why he sweats the smallest things, and why he's so vindictive about these things. Like for example, okay, so the letter to Buhari on Shehusani that leaked yeah. leaked in quotes because I think it was put out in public for a myriad of reasons. Um, I don't understand that. Shehusani initially was declared the winner when all the other candidates were disqualified. Please remind me, we need to explore that. Then the ABC bucked and said, okay, fine, we're going to have open primaries. I mean, uh, uh, what's direct primaries? And the, yeah. the, the guys who were hitherto disqualified can now run. Sheikh Hussani subsequently dropped out, right? Yeah. Now, I suspect very strongly that the, the timing of the leaked letter, they got it a little bit wrong. I think they meant to leak that letter after the people were disqualified because I, I can't really get with the timing now unless there's something else going on that I can't see. But now, somebody, one of my other ones, my, my very credible sources has told me that Sunny actually had a deal with Asarok. Imagine this. That is why all the other candidates were disqualified for him. Much to Orofai Chagran. That's yeah. why that letter, blackmailing, in my opinion, Buhari, was released to the public. To say, okay, fine, this same guy that you were telling me to, 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 to put up for, what's the right term? Recall. You're yeah. now... You're now trying to support him behind my back. But was it not you who asked me to recall him that here's the litany of the things that he did that you found abominable that led you to ask me to recall him and I graciously refused because it will cost the people of Kaduna too much money? Are you following what I'm saying? Well, no. Well, it's, in my view, it's obvious that 
one of the deals that because uh, uh, Shosani was supposed to defect alongside all the other senators, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oshiomole met with some of them and told them that look, okay, we know you're fighting with your governors, but in exchange for you not defecting, we'll give you guys automatic tickets. That was the deal that was negotiated. Uh-huh. Buhari, Thank you. So Buhari signed off on that deal. Uh-huh. El Rufai knew of that deal. It's not some. It's not as if it was today that this deal was exactly. done. Exactly, he done knew. Months ago. He definitely knew. That's right. So the point is, El Rufai. It's one of the things I've, I've always said to you and I've always said on social media. I used to be El Rufai's number one supporter because I get excited whenever I see a politician who is articulate, who is highly educated, and who is young because I think this is the future. I used to be his number one supporter. Mm-hmm. But one of the first things I saw immediately was the way this guy was ready to destroy anything. Anything and anybody. I find that disturbing. Yes, like got in his way. I saw the way he knew that Najib Deltans or Christians had nothing to do with Boko Haram. At that point in time, his aim was destroy Jonathan's government so I can use Najib Deltans as, mm-hmm. uh, as collateral damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's something he always does. The, the real fear is, somebody tweeted it a few days ago, if you remember the story of Hitler, Hitler was, was found guilty of, of uh, treason years before. Yeah. But they said, no, 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 leave him alone. He has good intentions. So that's why he wasn't punished. A Rufai to me is very dangerous because he's the kind who... We keep saying, oh, he's intelligent, so let's forget about these things. But imagine this man with the presidential power of the oh, federal no, government no, no. of Nigeria. I'm, 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 frankly, and I've said this to you many podcasts ago, I'm very cold on him being president. Like, I think for me, that's a wrap. He doesn't have the right temperament. He doesn't have a bridge-building mentality. Yes. He will burn anything and anybody that gets in his way. That that much is apparent. And he, no matter how much you like him, you can't deny that. Yes, you can't, you can't do politics. I mean... If I was, if, if I, I'm not a violent person, if I was violent, if I was violent, I would slap this dude. But look, I'm, check this out. He's actually burnt his bridge over Hurry. No, no, he would, yes, yes, but even beyond, you're beyond the party. We're trying to win an election here. Yeah. And we're saying to you that even you in Kaduna, you need this show, Sani, to help you win because you're not very popular. Show Sani can get you numbers. We're trying to negotiate a deal for you where Show Sani becomes a senator so you can win as governor. Mm-hmm. Instead of you to sign up, you're, you're now trying to sabotage the same person. Because if you, look, if you look at it, Sheo Sani's initial ambition was actually to run for the governorship exactly. under the PDP. It was the APC that delayed that move across to the PDP with the promise of an auto ticket. Yes. So these people helped you. Sheo Sani is actually helping you saying, okay, I'll get my ticket, but I'll use my large following to help you get elected. Because Sheo Sani to the people of Kaduna is like how uh, Oshomole was to the people of Edo. Yes. So, so that's, that's my issue with this dude. Like, he's so he's so selfish. So, so selfish. I couldn't, I didn't want to comment too much on this on Twitter because you know how Twitter can get. Like, I like to look at the nuance of the argument. When I read the letter, what really struck out to me was how he was willing to burn Buhari just yeah. to make himself look good. Your fight is with, and whatever it is you think of Buhari, this is not how to behave. This is not how to behave at all. And I think anybody who gets into bed with El Rafai in the future better watch yeah. his back. Better watch his back because in as much as I think administratively he's capable, but outside I think he needs somebody to stand on him literally and to cordon off the areas he's not allowed. And this is a grown man. You cannot be babysitting a grown man like this. He's not new to he's not new to politics. He's not you don't do politics. You don't do politics in this manner. He has burnt Buhari with that letter. Now Buhari has come out to deny the letter. Of course, you would expect him to. He has burnt Buhari in the letter, made reference to Kogi as if Buhari also sat over Kogi and said, oh yeah, go and commot um, Melai. Well, I think it was obvious that Buhari, the presidency was involved in Kogi, but the stupid thing is, 
nobody would ever put it down in writing. Why exactly? And also, remember I told you, I don't know when that Kaduna would be hotly contested, but I actually thought it would be between Honkui and and Elrofa. I didn't see this angle coming at all. Yes. No, I knew, I knew uh, Shansan is quite popular. I'm really, so, I'm really disappointed in Elrofa. Like he. When I said to when I said to his assistant um, early on when he was elected, I said the one thing you have to do for this guy is to rein him in, like protect him from himself. And do you know what she said? She said, "We try. He doesn't listen." <laughs> no, he doesn't. Uh, uh, that's that's Rufai's main. Uh, what is this? Just self-destructive. No, but this I think... is this this. I think to me, this is the, this is the nadir of him as a politician. He said some things, but because he was still amongst like bedfellows. Maybe they overlooked it. They overlooked all the signs and where it was pointing to. But that he's willing to burn Buhari as well? Nah, man. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Well, it, it, it's obvious. You see, the, the, the thing that disturbs me is I, I watch politicians' kids on social media and his kids are just like that as well. I mean, these are people who you're, you, you're born into privilege, which is not your fault, but you talk down to the rest of Nigerians as if they're, they're your, your slaves or, your, or they're like second-class citizens. So I see that in his kids. I see... On the other hand, you see OB's, you see Atiku's kids, they're all well-behaved. Well, at least one of OB's kids well-behaved. <laughs> I can't speak but from the other one. Even Femi and Tedala's kids are well-behaved. So mm -hmm. I, I'm genuinely surprised that Atiku, I mean, uh, uh, Rufai runs riot, his kids are running riot. So it's, it's just, uh, <laughs> it's very strange. But uh, I'm pleased anyway that you're finally seeing what we, 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 we are the sensible people of social media these days. I beg you. Right, I mean, it's a shame. It's a shame that, because I don't know who the who the I think actually I think the guy who lost the primary state or a fight in twenty fifteen is the PDP candidate. Uh, what's what's it? Uh, I think the name of the winner. Yeah, I've uh, forgotten the name as well. Yes, yeah, he's yeah. I think he used, he used to be APC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how strong his chances were, but I don't I don't see anybody turning up for Arafai. No, he's uh if if they can build the right coalition and with this. Sunny upset, then it'll be harder for him to win because the dude cannot help himself. Jeez, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no! I'm really disgusted by this behavior. Like, you really like. I'm, I'm. I think there's something to be said for loyalty. You know, there's something to be said for loyalty. Uh, loyalty to a nation first and foremost, but loyalty also so the people who helped you. Because if you think about it, for all of Buhari's flaws, Erufai cast him down from morning to night. Cast him, cast him, cast him down. The yes. fellow still brought you in. Do you get me? He still brought you in, and then you burn him like this publicly. Nah. But this is not his first burning. Remember that other letter he leaked at the time when he yes, looked like he was going to die. Yeah. So, he was trying to like create a lane for himself, like oh, yeah. I, at least I warned him. I'm not like the rest of you people, kind of. You know? <laughs> True. Nah, man. He's. Mm -mm. I think for me, I still, I still find some things admirable in the fellow, but like to press my hand to vote for him, in the words of a. Dame Jonathan, I don't Dame ever, Pete. yeah, I don't ever see that. I don't ever see that happening. I, I'm really quite disgusted. Like, ugh. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. I've always said that that's his nature. So I'm pleased that uh, other people are seeing that. I uh, suppose oh. the other thing is you mentioned Dame P. I'm also happy that a lot of people who are now seeing that. Um, are actually, well, um, she did some good stuff. I'm, 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 I'm in two minds about that because I think that whilst they are right that she pressed on women's issues and women and women women uh, representatives, women senators, women governors, she was quite keen on that front. I think that her nature, her combat, a public, her publicly combative nature was also a negative 
called Jonathan. I think privately that nature would have been perfect and excellent within the PDP, in the presidency, to put pressure on the right people. But I think the fact that the public perceived her as troublesome, not in the not not in a sexy way either, and I don't mean sexy as in looks, in an attractive way, like, okay, this woman is troublesome, she get wahala, we'll stand behind her kind of way. Do you get me? I think that didn't bode well for her. Well, no, that's where I would disagree. From my own perspective, I think a lot of the opposition to her was down to maybe the was that a lot of it was I think a lot of it was snobbery. So you know how in America you have the people maybe in New York and California and then you have people on the other side, the, the Texans and the people up down south. Mm. And both sides perceive the other in a sort of snobbish manner. The the New Yorkers look down on the Texans and the Texans think the New Yorkers are too liberal, they don't understand us. And I think that's the same thing that happened in Nigeria. In the southeast, south south and many parts of the just southwest, uh, Jonathan was, was seen as a hero because everybody knew that this is a woman who could talk to her husband. There was never any doubt that Jonathan did not see her as an equal partner, so she was very, very popular. But mm -hmm. there was another wing of Nigeria also who felt, on the other hand, we don't want this kind of woman. How can a woman be an equal to her husband? Or look at the way she talks. When she talks, it's clear that he, he listens to her. So there'll be a group that won't be happy with that. And it didn't help with the fact that obviously she spoke with an Okri, Okrika accent because she's, she's from Okrika and River State. So she didn't sound polished like, I don't know, Saraki's wife or Otibanjo's wife. So she, if she didn't sound that way, then there will obviously be an element of snobbery. But in terms of women's rights, I think if people were feminists, then that was their woman because literally she fought PDP every single step of the way to make sure that they, they picked women. She would say, even if you're choosing, choosing corrupt people, if they're going to be 10, let them be five corrupt women too. Yeah. Whatever you're choosing, let there be women. Because So so in that sense, she, she is like a feminist. She'd be a feminist hero. Mm, I don't know about that. But, I mean, I think given how poor Aisha has been, Aisha has just been about Aisha, and that's it. <laughs> I think you can, you can allow Dame some of her excesses, given how poor Aisha has been. I mean, did you see her tweets? No, I... I, I... At the end of the day, it's basically it's it's, sum, it's summarized by a revised letter because I think the same game was played again. Because you know, Obas uh, Buhari is a great pretender. He claims pretends not to be aware of anything. Yeah. So my my suspicion is he and Oshiomale did a deal with Bindo mm -hmm. and said, okay, prevent you defecting, we will give you this ticket. Yep. And then on the other hand, the same thing Tune Bakari said. Buhari was here. He wasn't aware. So his wife, who have probably spoken to him already, he met with the, the brother-in-law. And Barry would have probably told him, yes, that's right, we're going to support you, you're going to get the ticket. And then obviously they don't deal with Bindo, Bindo won. And Barry would pretend to be shocked. What? You mean you didn't get it? Let me tell you something. I don't even think that Aisha has that kind of access to her husband. I have sources, Michael, legit sources, who told me that he has divorced this woman twice. You know in Islamic culture, you've got to divorce three times and the divorce is final? Yeah. I was told that he's divorced her twice. So, given her public utterances the last time and her daughter's Snapchat as well against Abakiari, it shows you that things are not all well in Asurok. Forget so he, the. He, he rate her. He yeah, he doesn't. Does. He doesn't think much of her. I mean, she yeah. thinks a lot more of herself because she also comes from political aristocracy. So, yeah. but he thinks of her as, as this small girl with a big mouth kind of thing. He doesn't. He doesn't have her time at all. Now, imagine this kind of situation where she's come out 
staunchly against the party. She's actually rubbished the party in well, public. Well, that's obviously because she feels betrayed. I know he doesn't rate her, but I'm, I'm reasonably certain. It was, it was public that her husband met with, I mean, her brother met with Buhari on this issue. So if, if her brother had met with Buhari and Buhari had told him, look, you can't get the ticket. Then he then wouldn't have be, bothered, yeah. Yes, they won't, be, they won't be this surprised. Mm -hmm. So my guess is they did a deal and then Buhari will pretend to be unaware that... Uh, but come, they, how naive is she? This is, okay, this is where when you say you rate Dame P over her, I agree. How naive is she that she didn't know that this kind of thing was on ground? She must be silly. Even, even observers could have told her. If Bindo, well, if Bindo had defected, it would have looked bad on the APC. He didn't go. He wanted to go. He didn't go. Why do you think he didn't go? Use your brain now. Yes. No, I would have seen it coming that the moment Bindo didn't defect means that a deal would have been done. But exactly. Obviously, they, uh, Rubado too, obviously did not see, see this coming because Rubado also met with Buhari. Yeah, forget that Rubado, Joe. The guy is not... So, no, but, but that's the uh, problem. Buhari is just not a leader. He doesn't talk. He doesn't give instructions. So people are just there trying to figure out whether he wants to go left or he wants to go right. So it's causing division. So sometimes as a leader, you've got to take a stand and let people know what you think. You can't always just pretend. You, you can't just be all things to all men, which mm -hmm. is what Buhari tries to do a lot. And then he just pretends. Then things blows up that he's not aware. Mm -hmm. so, so like, look, I mean, the, the APC coalition is rapidly unraveling. Um, I think given Atiku's nature and how easygoing he is and how, how, how willing he is to let people do their thing, not in the yes. not in the um, Babangida sense, but I don't I don't see him fighting any phony wars on corruption or whatever. So I think the 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 political climate would be far more favourable to a lot of people. Even people currently in the APC would not go all out for the party, given the chance, you know, to just live their lives in peace under an well, Atiku presidency. Well, I don't necessarily think so. Yes, on the one hand, Atiku himself. Is not is not necessarily as vindictive as Obafemi or El Rufai or even Buhari will be. But you have to remember that people like El Rufai, for example, crossed the line on many occasions with the type of abuse they threw in his direction. Mm -hmm. You have an attorney general that was almost uh, conspiring to destroy Intel. Mm -hmm. Oh, I so, expect to see some headlines about Intel's in the following weeks. Yes. So there are many people in, in, in the government, and they know some of the clandestine things they did to Atiku as well, mm -hmm. not everything they did public. So the problem with the Buhari presidency is raise the temperature. So there are many people in Buhari's government that know that, look, if we lose this election, Buhari is not going to protect us. We are, we are toast. So for them, it's now a matter of life or death. He well. likes of Amechi, the likes of Rufai, a few other people, Malami, mm -hmm. uh, Daura, mm -hmm. Abakiari. There are many people who know that men. We need to win this thing. Yeah, but then there's Atiku has his own albatross of corruption. So I didn't think he will be so hypocritical as to pursue people for the same charges. I mean, they, they can say to him, in 2015, you were bedfellows with these people, right? So what has changed? Well, it's not, it's not about uh, whether or not he's, he, has, he has an albatross. They're all hypocrites. Uh, that mm -hmm. is, they, you can't be a major Nigerian position without uh, doing some corrupt act. But the point is, when you've crossed the line from corruption into using state power to mm -hmm. punish your enemies, you cannot not expect that when you're out of office, there won't be some kind of retribution. So that is what is going to be behind the back. I mean, look at Dasuji. Dasuji's been in tension over four years. That's a prince of Sokoto. You think Dasuji is going to come out and then Sokoto is not going to demand something. I mean, you remember when, I don't know if you remember in 2006, when uh, Babangida's son was detained by EFCC. Mm -hmm. Then what do you think happened as soon as Yaradua came in? They detained Obasanjo's daughter. 
Well, the ex, the ex senator. Yes, just remember she was detained for a few days as well. Oh wow! No, I because they demanded uh, retribution. It's like, like if you're going to mess with our kids, they were going to do the same to your kids. So they've held Basuki for four years. So obviously these guys are shaking because they know, unless maybe the, this peace committee uh, led by uh, Hassan Kuka and Abdul Salami can negotiate another deal like they did with Jonathan. These guys are genuinely afraid. I mean, look at the way they hounded patient Jonathan. You think Aisha Bwari is not going to be afraid? Hmm. So, unless they can negotiate a peace deal, I think things are the kind that might sign up to a deal and, and let, let, let bygones be bygones. But everybody's obviously afraid. Oh, man. Things are, things are getting quite, quite interesting, I must say. I, I mean, I'm excited. I live for politics, you know, and we both, yeah. in, we both enjoy these kinds of things. So it's, it's, it's looking good. For from an observer's point of view, is looking good, but like you said earlier, I just want to function in Nigeria, man. Being in London is 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 not exactly one's top choice. If if not exactly. if not for progress, you know, personal yeah. progress, would we be? Who wants to leave their home to go and live somewhere else? You know, yeah. uh, most people would rather stay at home, and Lord knows I would rather be at home, but in a function in Nigeria, one that functions enough so that I can chase my own personal ambitions without having to pay somebody, sleep with somebody, or sing somebody's praises praises day and night. Yes, that's, so. that's what most people in diaspora want. They want investment where you can build world-class hospitals so the doctors can come home, be paid good salaries, and live in their own sunshine, Nigerian sunshine, hang out with Nigerian friends. Yes, so yes. Nigeria has a lot of opportunity, investment opportunity. You just need the right government. And I think I think it would, would deliver a better environment. But obviously, fingers crossed that he wins and that uh, he sticks to the plan because sometimes these people get into office and go crazy. So. Yes, yes, indeed they do. I mean, look, we can't really vouch for anybody's uh, temperament and capabilities as a number one citizen. We can go by the antecedents and say, okay, fine, based on what he's done in the past, we think this is how he's going to be if yes. he's president, and I hope we're not too far wrong. Um, I'm still supporting my candidate, which is King Salim Mohali. Um, <laughs> Tell the guy to step down. That the game has started. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if he steps down, I'm still not going to vote for the PDP, but I'll hope that Atiku wins. Oh, before we go, let's just talk quickly, very quickly about Obia Zakwa City. I don't understand. You know, I really like her. I really admire her. And she's one of the yeah. very few Nigerians that when she talks, I listen, yeah? But I don't understand this declaring for presidency at the very, very last minute. What's the point of this? There was no air given to her announcement because everybody was focused on the PDP primaries. What do you think the point of this is? Well, that's, that's my concern. A part of me is, is worried that a lot of people are just getting into the race and maybe knowingly or knowingly they are being used to split the opposition votes because I don't understand what value her entry will add to the race unless they want to use her to negotiate the, the vice presidential position for the coalition of political parties because I, I generally cannot see, I think as I tweeted today, politics is like running. Running for office is like starting a business. You have projections, research, planning. So you don't just enter a race and think, oh, I can win. You literally have to have built up a coalition and built up the numbers over the years. And I can't see that she's done that. Unless I'm wrong and she has some secret uh, uh, funding and plan somewhere. I just think this is going to split the opposition vote even more. That's my main worry. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little bit bemused. Like, I don't, I really don't understand it. Even if she wanted to run for the post, which is very well her right, but now, yeah. 
the time the, the, the timing is very strange to me like I, I mean what was she doing all that while like, yes especially as if you remember she was brought in as the umpire when all the independent candidates mm-hmm, mm-hmm. were trying to choose their president they brought her as the objective umpire and all of a sudden she's now reappeared and says actually I'm, I'm running against the <laughs> running against you guys so it, it, the whole thing doesn't just it doesn't make sense does it yeah it doesn't sound right unless she's been used to negotiate something. But it'll, it'll hopefully become clear over the days what, what really is going on. Hmm. Oh, Nigeria, Nigeria. A very, very, very strange place. I mean, oh, your man crushed Monday, Saraki. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in a sense, I'm pleased. I, I like that. He's intelligent, but in a sense, I'm pleased he didn't win. I'm very pleased with him because I do not like him at all. <laughs> no, the, no, the, the, no. Plus, the plus for me is that he gave exciting, intelligent, hardworking young people a chance. Do you get me? People like yeah. Edward, Ilemona, what's his name? Papa Donkey or Donkey uh, Joko or whatever I, he's called. Ayobami. Ayobami. He gave them a chance. Even people, as much as I disagree with their politics, I can't fault the work they did for the guy. Yeah. you get me? They got real traction. They, they made him a proper center of conversation. Their digital media uh, work was stellar. You know, I'm very happy about that. But Saraki himself, I'm happy he did not win. No, no, I'm happy he didn't, uh, obviously for different reasons, which is if, if he had won, I would have supported him over Buhari without a doubt. Okay. Obviously, on the likability scale, he's not the most likable uh, candidate. It reminds me, as, as I said previously, it reminds me a lot of uh, Bill Clinton who's uh, very ruthless but very intelligent and can get the job done, but he'll just, he's just somebody who I don't think would always act in the nation's best interest. So I think it's best he goes back to the Senate. I think if he stays a Senate president and can work with, because he's a bit of a Frank Underwood type figure, so if, if, if Atiku is president, Saraki is Senate president, then I think if they can work together, they can get major legislation through because that is what Saraki is good at getting stuff through the uh, uh, legislature. Hmm, So I I think they can make a good team. Mm, Well, somebody's holding his ticket, his PDP ticket. Oh, oh yes, there's some... uh, That's the... Let's hope because then... But does the law law allow that? Well, Rochas, if you remember, Rochas Okorocha did the same thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when he ran for president. I think Frankfurt also did the same thing last time where they got someone else to stand in their place and then after they saw that they didn't win they switched so it's possible that they could do that even Tambua, it's possible Tambua could no, also but how, what's the process what's the process of um getting your ticket back so to speak because didn't the the parties have a deadline to present the candidate for each seat yes but i think after if after the deadline the last time i read the rules i think it's something like if that person decides to step down for whatever reason then the party can nominate somebody in their place Oh, I see. Okay, okay. That makes sense then. Because Rochas did that. Yeah, he did. I remember. So you think you think that, um, what do you call it? Tambo can still get his ticket? Yes, because the the person that he nominated for, or the person that that got the ticket, it didn't seem to be a political heavyweight. So it seemed that was also another arrangement where that dude was just standing in his place. Well, that's what the speculation is. But obviously, in the next few days, we'll see. We'll see who's stepping down, uh, who's going up. Well, I mean, I I expect fully that the heavyweights will definitely get their tickets back. It's just a bit. It's all just a bit weird. But I mean, I think the same thing obtains in the U.S. because I remember when Paul Ryan was on the ticket with uh, Romney, 
his seat was still warm when he got back, so it's not that weird, I suppose. Mm. Well, yes, no, you have to, uh, you have to hedge, hedge your bet. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, 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 you do. Um, 2019 will be very, very, very interesting, even more so than 2015. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're participating in the political chatter online, let's, you know, let's remember our lessons from last time. Let's keep the discussion civil. Let's engage each other on a higher plane. Let's let's really elevate the conversation. You know, <laughs> debate politics. I mean, policies. De- we can debate candidates, but it's never that serious. No one needs to cuss anyone's mother out. You know, so <laughs> yeah, we we can have fun with it this time. We really yeah. can. I mean, I think most of us agree that Buhari has to go. Um, but whether you support Buhari or Atiku or Kingsley Mohali like me, we can we can keep it civil and we can really you know do ourselves proud by ensuring that we're not divided along uh, very common and ridiculous lines. Okay, so I look forward to the elections as I'm sure you do. Please take care yes. of yourself and each other. Michael, once again, thank you very much for always a pleasure for being a guest and um yeah stay on the line please. I will catch you later, guys. Peace. <laughs>